the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Let's start thinking positively. It's not what you've got. It's what you use that makes the difference. And that comes from Zig Ziglar. If you haven't read any of his books, they're really good. Uh, I think there's great potential for autonomy. But we have to remember that we live in a world where people may have free will, but not have invented their circumstances. And that's the truth. There's no heavier burden than unfulfilled potential. And that is the guy that started Peanuts comic, Charles Schultz. This day, like all days, holds great potential. And let's hope you uh, use it. Um, anyway, um, you know, I was thinking, and, the, you know, we had two shows just recently. One on March 12th, I believe it was, that we had Rich Matthews on. And Rich is a crazy hockey player, but he is also, he knows more about wealth planning. I mean, he's forgotten more than I ever learned, and I, I know a lot about wealth planning. and and. So that March 9th, the first 15 minutes, talks about wealth planning and how it can help you, okay? And these are the times where wealth planning is important. When the markets are up for grabs, the Fed running around like a chicken with their head cut off, you know, everything's going crazy. This is when a good plan lets you say to yourself, I've got it down. Okay, and you know what? You don't have to be an RBC client now. You, if you want to try the plan out, you can try out as a prospective client. All right, so uh, Rich Matthews, March 12th. And then if you own a business, all right, and you're trying to not get taxed more by the government, I guess that's a nice way of saying it. On April 9th, we had Dane Tupich, uh, who knows more about retirement plans and how to hide money from the government you know, via retirement plan, a legal retirement plan, than anybody I know, all right? So yeah, it's a half an hour part of the show. I highly recommend it. In the meantime, this is a live show. So uh, if if you want to get any of the material we talk about, I always talk about the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. Uh, they're holding up, folks, really well, all right? So I'll just say that. And uh, – uh, you can get those by going to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show, takes you directly to my web page. There's all sorts of contact me, email me, and all that stuff. And then uh, on the front page is bulletin board. And right there, there's a new, weekly newsletter that comes out. And also, Trend and Cycle, that's Rob Schleimer. He may be one of the best technicians on the planet. Uh, he publishes weekly on that, okay? And then above that is Insights. And we constantly change the research there. And it's good stuff. Uh, I've had numerous compliments from it. 
I mean, about it. I'm sorry. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. All right. Uh, so uh, this is a live show. So if you have any questions, you can call in at 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. So look, I think the spotlight right now is on investor sentiment. Boy, I haven't seen it this bad in a long, long time. Uh, I think the big thing you need to know, uh, by the way, you can't hang your hat on investor sentiment, just so you know. The price action in the indexes continues to resemble that of the uh, the prior post-financial crisis growth scares. All right? Uh, this 13% and 14% drawdown at, at the close on Thursday uh, is in the range of prior growth scares. So, so but the net bullishness on the AAII retail investor poll uh, broke to a new financial crisis low last week. So that's pretty big. That's a big-time contrarian uh, symbol. And the VIX and the equity put-to-call have also moved up, not to crazy levels, but the VIX has been above – I mean, it's averaged 28. Just so you know, for the last 50 years, it's averaged 12. So the fear index is up there. It averaged 35 for most, of, I mean, 33 for most of last week. I thought it was interesting the week before. It actually dropped 10%, and the market was flat, and then we just traded on down. So, you know, I think we're in one of these uh, these post-financial crisis growth scares where everybody, you know, is quick on the trigger on the downside, uh, and, and that's important, all right? Now, one of the things that Tom Porcelli, who's our economist, said – you know, and he's just asking the question, the Fed hiking cycle, is the end closer than we think? Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, he highlighted some growing concerns from consumer discretionary companies uh, that, that he talked to, by the way. Uh, he said, we don't doubt for a second this is something Powell is starting to hear more and more uh, and is likely to inform his newest uh, group, which is the FMOC meeting. But he... he we haven't. We've heard at the consumer discretionary conference we hosted last week about the potential for job losses this year. Now, Carvana, which is a used car group, just laid off pretty close to a third, maybe a half of their their employees. So, there was five very quietly announced layoffs last week. So, uh, things are getting interesting again. Uh, and we looked at the hour, you know, the average hourly. Uh, hourly earnings, sorry about that, and in private industries, and it's amazing how fast they dropped uh, for the week. So uh, given that, now, look, I think there's a big change going on out there. At least that's what I'm seeing right now, okay? So for 40 years, you could buy bonds and count on a capital gain. We've broken the downtrend line on the 10-year Treasury yield. Yield now, which means we've probably op- broken the uptrend line on the 10-year Treasury bond. That's a big change. The other thing I noticed is dating back to 19- that's 40 years, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, 40 years. Interest rates have been going down, and suddenly they've broken that trend. That's a big break. In my humble opinion, that's a big break. And then the other thing we have, since 1984, the dollar's been going down. The dollar broke its downtrend line, dating back to 1984. That's another big change. So we have a change of pace. And if you, if you listen to the Federal Reserve meeting, it was followed by a somewhat 
surprising press conference. He he pushed back on against the market's aggressive rate hike expectations. Inflation turns out may not be the only thing on the central banker's mind. Okay, so look, I I think you know when you look at inflation historically from 1926 to 2021. You know, we've had periods of time where inflation has popped up, but you've also got to remember what it's averaged, and it's always come back down. The other thing is, uh, you know, when you look at the monthly times, you know, back in the uh, late 70s, it was quite high, and back in the 40s, and then in, in, the, in the late 20s, inflation, you know, post-World War II, or World War I, I'm sorry, the inflation was quite, quite, you know, high. And then the drawdowns came down in the stock market uh, because of, you know, some you were allowed to use 10 up to 90 percent margin on uh, stock purchases back then. And that doesn't happen anymore. But I think you've got to calculate your own personal inflation rate. And that's where the wealth plan comes in. You can personalize your inflation uh, and you can put together your index. okay, to see what your inflation rate is. Just remember. When we've had peak inflation, the next year in the stock market is unbelievably good. All right? It's unbelievably good. It's numbers, and I'm not even going to quote. So, look, inflation, when it's less than 10%, uh, stocks are a great inflation hedge at any time, especially with dividends, because the dividends usually – the the dividends plus any kind of a – amount you make above and beyond that dividend via capital gains usually beats inflation. We'll just say that. Okay. So avoid uh, tax bracket creep too. So, I mean, there's some things you should be looking at and review your property values is another area I, I would look at. Remember, everybody has this plan. It's like you're riding your bike, you know, up a nice slow, you know, hill and you see the, you see your flag, you know, which is retirement in the distance. But in reality, that nice thing has all sorts of, you know, there's a lake in the middle, there's a big rut, there's a, a bridge that's out, you know, et cetera. So it, it, it doesn't work the way you think it does. So just remember that when you're, when you're planning. All right, so we have this t- big change of pace. And, you know, look, I think most major markets decline this year and into early March then rolled, royal, uh, rallied for several weeks before turned down again. And I thought we'd held. I, I, you know, we'd had three lows uh, at the January low, and I thought we were going to hold, uh, and then they, they all broke down. And, what we, you know, I said a couple weeks ago that I thought it would be the mega cap tech stocks that would finally give it up, and they, they're starting to. But the dollar is really uh, kind of interesting. You know, the dollar is breaking out, and that's because interest rates are going up. Now, if interest rates come back, you know, the dollar pause for a while, but people are wondering if there's cracks in the foundation. You know, uh, you know the, the big decline in, in U.S. GDP for the quarter one have raised concerns that the consensus estimates for GDP and corporate earnings for this year and next are high. And that – so – this is one of the first times I can remember where the Fed has raised interest rates into a negative GDP print. So I think that's why Powell backed off. You know, uh, I don't think he wants, uh, you know, to be the <laughs> the guy that, uh, you know, 
goes out <laughs> quickly uh, on the next, uh, you know, I think he wants to stick around for a while is what I'm trying to say. Hey, this week on the 17th and 18th, we have the RBC Capital Markets Global Healthcare Conference. And remember, uh, I talked about oil last year. I talked about our oil conference. Uh, about this time, uh, it was actually a week later, and I said that's, that was a good thing to get. And these conferences, you know, we talked about the software conference. Software led the way for three years. If you would have bought any stock in that group that we recommended on those software things, you would have averaged 100% gain. That we recommended, anything we recommended, 100% gain, assuming that you sold it at a decent time. Okay, and that's not a bad deal. So this healthcare conference interests me because on the dynamic asset level investing that our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us with, healthcare is almost dead last again. Okay, been dead last for seven years. Now even energy and basic materials only stayed there for four or five. So, you know, look, because of the pandemic, the number of procedures are down. And people, there's no bids for any of these, especially small biotechs. I mean, I, I was talking to a guy who I've known for a long, long time, and he said there's like 400, 500 biotechs that were above 20 that are below two. And they, they have good technology. It would help if, the, you know, the FDA hasn't really approved anything in the last two years uh, of any circumstance unless it has to do with the pandemic. That's all they cared about. So they've kind of blown off a lot of these things. But if this is a preview of the conference. And then, you know, next week we'll probably tell you, hey, um, you should get the, the summation because there'll probably be some pretty good ideas in there. You know, um, I, I was listening to Tom Lee this week, and he, Tom's been wrong. Okay, he, he said we were, he thought we, we, we were forming a bottom and we didn't. And it was kind of interesting. He said uh, there was a, a, a rethink about the FMOC meeting. And, uh, and there was, you know, Powell would not agree to, uh, you know, a three-quarter point hike. Now, we, the S&P 500 was essentially flat for the week, by the way. It, kept, it, had, it had some volatility, don't get me wrong, but it, it, had, it was flat. So, and we talked about the week before how the volatility fell from 33 to 30. That's a 10% move down. So, you know, the FMLC meeting, I think, was very important. Uh, the equity mar markets rallied very strongly. And I thought it was also important, David Tepper from Appaloosa, who's a, uh, this guy turns on a New York City dime, folks, so I mean, he's a trader. And he said he covered his short in the bond market, and he covered his short in the NASDAQ. <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how the market handles all this. Uh, and and I, I think a lot of people are sitting back and saying, you know, where do we go from here? Look, uh, one of the things, you know, I do every day is I look at the charts. Every day uh, there's 13 scans I look at and um, – I, you know, I do it on a legal pad just because I'm old-fashioned. And the margin is where I start to write down the, the symbols of the stocks that intrigue me, okay? And then what I start to do is do research on their fundamentals because we want to match the fundamentals and the technicals together. I haven't filled the margin once in four months. So if you're wondering out there, you know, What's what's wrong with the market? Well, 
leadership is the only thing that leads is oil and some regional banks so far. Okay, so we'll see what happens going forward. I do, I am starting to see more industrial stocks too. And uh, right now, basic materials, then oil on the dynamic asset level investing. Uh, and we'll see what happens. But global investment sentiment is spreading across all asset classes in an unprecedented ways. You've got bonds and stocks are also the worst combined year with the exception of 1977, I believe it was. Uh, You've got geopolitical tensions in Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. The Fed Reserve was un- – and they didn't do a good job of, you know, calming people's nerves with, uh, you know, hey, we're not doing 75 basis points is off the table. Uh, the market, you know, rallied that day and the next day they got killed. So <laughs> uh, the second, well, what's the, you know, what's the implication to send the stock at, stock market going down? Uh, do they think there's an economic contraction? Uh, and if that's the case, the Fed may be done. And if you hear anything like that, we're going to have one of the biggest rallies you've ever seen. And uh, by the way, on the third part of the show, I'm going to talk about the bullish percent, and I'd listen in on that part if I were you. Uh, good stuff. But looking forward, uh, you know, we'll, the volatility has been above 28, been averaging 28 since the day after Thanksgiving. That's the longest period of time I can ever remember volatility being that high. Hey, let's take a break. Once again, if you have a question, the phone number here is 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. My man Andrew is uh, moving up in the world. Uh, he's my my technician, and uh, we're going to hate to see him go, so say hi to him if you call in. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. We're going to get to some of Rob Schleimer's stuff, who's our uh, uh, technical strategist, and he's very good. But we do have John on the phone. John, how are you? Hey, Tim. Not too bad. How about yourself? No complaints. Hey, you know, um, it's been about like three weeks ago, maybe, or four weeks ago. I mean, everything kind of has been a blur in this market. You were on the radio, I mean, on the radio, and you said that you had sent out a note to clients for a, a possible, uh, you know, bullish case. And, and obviously, it's been very rocky since then. But you know, if you're looking at right now, if you're trying to make a bullish case to someone, would you say are you looking at sentiment? Are you looking at long term, you know, long term support levels on the charts? Are you looking for you know macro factors playing out, or or even like a, a, a dead time between now and then the next Fed and the next CPI and stuff? I mean, if you could just like comment on some of that, kind of if you could make a base case, what would what would it be based on? Well, I. I tend to think differently than a lot of people. You remember last year, this time, John, uh, the bullish percent was at 80. Okay. Mm-hmm. And remember, yeah. 70 is the red zone. Okay. That's when you got to be nervous. And uh, most of my clients had uh, a lot of cash. Uh, some of them don't have enough, but a lot of them do. All right. Um, matter of fact, uh, you know, I used Marshfield. And in some cases, they were 80% cash coming into this. Um, so, uh, the bullish percent is now below 30. It hit 23 on Thursday. Um, 
that's a pretty low number. Now, look, uh, back in 2020, they got the five. Second lowest number I ever saw. So it uh, doesn't always go to five. Uh, now, if it goes to five, you know, from 23 to five is a long way. So I'm not saying we're at the bottom. Uh, but that with, you know, the, the bullish bearish ratio is, is at minus 46 right now. And I've only seen it lower in these last two decades twice. That was in 2002. And then, and, and I said this on the radio, John, uh, the week before the bottom, uh, we were at minus 54. And I said, I think we're coming to a generational low. And uh, yeah. it, n- not because I'm so smart, just I'm reading the tea leaves right, okay? Uh, so we're getting there. I mean, we're very close. Uh, the negativity uh, is is rampant. And, you know, the real thing is there's no buyers. Okay, so like Friday. It seems like it's been bidless action. I mean, afternoons, I'm looking at afternoons, and you just like, there are no buys. It's, it's, I mean, it's really crazy. I mean, I'm, I, I've, you've been you're it, much more experienced, but. No, it, it, look, it's, what I'm seeing is basically uh, no buyers. And uh, so they, you know, they have to take these things down because you get a seller. They don't want to own the inventory. Okay, none of the, the market makers out there want to. And, and there's a certain uh, group that is well advertised that's a discount broker who's really bringing bid down bids. I won't mention their name, but they're really bringing down bids. And so you see get, days like Friday, and that's what makes a bear market rally is you get buyers suddenly. And they mark them up. So the market makers are making a lot of money and they're all happy. And then they're going to mark them back down because, you know, look, we're not there yet, I don't think. Uh, 23 is a low number. I think we went up three Friday, so we're at like 26. Uh, but with, you know, we had the volatility at 33. It's not at 41 or 50, you know, so you'd like to see that. The put-to-call ratio went up a little bit this week. So we're seeing some of the signs. It's just we're not there yet, I don't think. Anyway. Are you worried? Are you worried at all about like uh, hedge funds or, uh, or or just funds in general? And I'm not saying that Ark would go uh, uh, insolvent, but are you worried that there's forced liquidation taking place in this market, and that's what's driving things lower? Or just oh, there, there's, action? No, there's a lot of margin calls going on, John. You know, okay. uh, you know, when you use leverage, it's great on the way up, but if on the way down, it, it hurts. That's what it, that's what caused the yeah. 29 crash. You know, people were buying stocks with 10 percent down and. They went down 10% and it was over. You know, nobody yeah. was covered. So, uh, you know, leverage is great on the way up. Uh, and oversold markets, you know, if you think you got the bottom, if they're ringing a bell for you, leverage is a great thing. I don't use leverage because uh, I work with retirement people. So uh, unless the guy has designated the account as a trading account, and I only have four of those, so I, I don't use leverage. It's The market can be uh, is too volatile for me for that. All right. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. You always bring yep. a lot of insight to the market. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, okay. So Wednesday CPI number did little to alter the negative tra- uh, trajectory of the, of the markets. And uh, what's interesting, though, is Treasury yields continued to show the signs of pausing under some critical technical levels. And I think that's that's important, too. But, you know, look, we're we're pretty oversold but we are making lower highs and lower lows. So, you know, it's not exactly, I'm not brimming with confidence, okay? Um, I have, a, you know, I, I still own stocks. Uh, by the way, if you had bonds, which I've been kind of advising against on this show, unless you've had them laddered, uh, you get hit. 
high yield bonds are really getting hit. Uh, and I don't think it's time to get back in those yet. So, so if, if we do like this 38% retracement, like on a Fibonacci scale, I think 3,800 would be the next support. Uh, and then it would be 3,500. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm working with Rob Schleimer here who knows who's better than I am. And, and I'm a pretty good chartist. So, but we are suitably bearish. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, the AAI poll now has 9% bulls. The last time I saw that was when Saddam Hussein rolled into Kuwait. So that's pretty, pretty low numbers. And, and if you look at the U.S. Treasury yield now, I'm looking at the yield, not the bond. The yield is right where it, it peaked back in 2015. And the momentum figures have turned down. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. The two-year yield uh, actually broke above resistance. It's got some res more resistance right here, but we are seeing that momentum start to turn down on that one too. So, you know, it's some things that you have to pay a little bit more uh, attention to. Now, you know, look, you had Microsoft break at 270. That was kind of a very important support level. You had Apple break 150. That was a very important uh, level. NVIDIA broke down hard. Uh, so these, you know, that's not positive action. All right, now people said, well, would you buy technology? No, I don't think so. Not now, okay? I like technology long-term. You know, I, I think it's great stuff. But when you have a cascade down, you know, I mean, from look, from the end of uh, well, the day before Thanksgiving till now, technology, I mean, the NASDAQ composite, the average stock's down 44%. Now, I've been doing this a long time. I've never seen that. Even in 2000. That didn't happen, okay? And, you know, we talked, we've been pounding the table on oil for a long time. I don't think the oil trade's going away. I was surprised how fast commodities came back. You know, aluminum stocks got hammered. Uh, they, they beat up the copper stocks, you know, so that surprised me. And I still think commodities, you know, they, they were in a 10, 15-year bear market, too. They went down from top to bottom. The Commodity Research Bureau Index went down 80%. So, you got to start a bottom, okay, which this probably is the case for commodity stocks as well as oil, et cetera. The, now the technology stocks have to do that, all right? They got to make a bottom. They got to start a bottom, or they got to start making higher lows. They got to break down trend lines and things like that. So I would wait. I don't think you have to be the first person in, all right? I would wait on those. Now, I own a couple that I'm down on, and uh, it, it, what, what happened? We had a, a very prominent analyst leave our firm. Uh, it, it 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 was a personal thing for him, uh, and I get why he did it. He d didn't do it because he's a jerk or anything. He's a really nice guy. Uh, and and you know, next time an analyst leaves, I'm probably going to sell all the stocks. But I I think you've got to think that maybe the you know if this is just a bear market rally and it'd probably be hard and fast, we're going to go down and test one more time. So that 23 print on the bullish percent will be tested, I guarantee you. We probably go up to 35, 40, and then we'll come down and do it again just to make sure I can't sleep at night. But the equity put to call ratio elevated this week, all right? That's the number of puts bought for, versus calls. Now, puts means on the option side that you want the, you're, you're betting that the, the market will go down or the stock will go down. Call, you're, if you're buying these things now, if you're selling them, you don't think it's going to go down. But the, the put volume on Apple was pretty significant uh, a week ago. And I I was going to, I meant to mention that, but I got uh, sidetracked on the show the other day. So, you know, it, it's something that you have to be thinking about. And 
I think commodities could weaken into June a little bit more. Like gold looks like it's going to be laissez-faire for a couple months. Uh, look, if the dollar's strong, commodities don't work. And by the way, foreign stocks don't work too. Okay, so you know, foreign stocks are are not a good place to be if the dollar's rallying. And the dollar's broken the downtrend line. It's a change. All right. Remember, the, the big bull market in, in international equities was when the dollar went from 2002, or 2000, sorry, got, did a double top and just went straight down, right? So um, the metals look to, be, look to be turning down, too. So that's another thing. Look, we're going to be right back. Uh, if you have a question, once again, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And we're going to talk about the bullish percent because I think that's extremely important right now. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And once again, I'm going to go back. You know, uh, March 12th show, we had Rich Matthews on. And Rich knows wealth wealth plans better than anybody I know. And in times like this, a wealth plan is very, very important. The first 15 minutes of the show, highly recommended. For anybody out there that owns their own company and are looking to put more away for retirement that the government can't tax, on April 9th, we had Dane Tupich on, and he, believe me, he can help, all right? Uh, we can get together, put together a plan, and, I mean, in some cases, I've seen them do, you know, where, where guys, small businesses, were putting an extra 100 grand away uh, in in uh, retirement plans that the government couldn't touch it for, you know, 10, 15 years. So, look, if the government doesn't get a hold of your money and you can grow it 10% a year, that means seven years you double your money things can get really interesting going fast so anyway uh just highly recommend them and you know uh i was you know our buddies in first trust in chicago uh they have the focus five strategy which i really like and i just thought it was interesting uh the cash proxy moved from the 18th position in the beginning of april uh up to 11th all right so the Monday's action last week brought the cash level up to up to 11, and um, so it's part of that that group that you've got to be paying attention to. I'll just say, all right, cash sometimes is an asset class. If you talk to the guys, you know, uh, my friends from Marshfield are coming in uh, this week, uh, and I'm going to talk to them, and they believe cash is an asset class, as I do. All right, so just remember that. So the bullish percent this week. Uh, you know, let's talk about the bullish percent. This was designed by uh, a protege of Charles Dow back in the 30s. You probably can, you've got this probably, if you listen to the show weekly, you've got this memorized by now, but uh, my little speech here. Anyway, uh, what they wanted to do is be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top, okay? So they designed a point and figure chart, X's and O's, and when we got to 70 and a column of X's, that's when you had to be careful. That's where we were last year march 1st we were at 81 all right over 70 is the red zone that's when everybody else is greedy you should be careful 
Then we get below 30. That's the green zone. That's when everybody's scared. That's when you should be greedy. That's simple. Okay. Column of O's means we're, we're in a, uh, more of a defensive posture. You know, cash is important there. And if the stock starts to break down, you want to hit the road, you know, that type of thing. Uh, now some people don't care. You know, they own Johnson and Johnson or, or whatever. They're never going to sell it. That's fine. But I've seen Johnson Johnson on these point and figure charts back in the Tylenol scare. It got killed. Okay. So you got to pay attention. All right. I, right now we're at a column of O's. We were actually down 8.5% uh, for the week. We, we were down 11 until Friday. All right. We rallied up three percentage points on Friday. So the defensive team is still in the field, but we're below 30. What we're looking for now is a reversal up. Now, do not anticipate an anticipator. All right. Use your head. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if you listened to the Disney conference call. I thought it was pretty good. All right. Disney's back where it was at the, at the end of the pandemic. Sell off. Okay. They got all their theme parks open. You know, their, their Dr. Strangelove did 168 million bucks. Now, I'm not recommending Disney, but it sure seems interesting. You know, do you buy, you, you put all your money into it? Heck no. You know, you, you ease in slowly. Okay. Uh, and it, look, Disney, I haven't even looked at the chart. So I'm just, I'm talking out loud now. So don't, this is not a recommendation, just so you know. Now, here's the interesting one the over the counter index. It's 16. That's the small stocks. That's a pretty oversold scenario. Now, I can't guarantee they're not going to five. All right. But what, things are getting interesting. Industry. <laughs> interesting. Sorry about that. Saturday, you know. Things are getting interesting. Don't go away. Be bearish. All right. When you have peak inflation and it starts to head down, there's huge moves in the market, huge moves in the market. You know, if you were around in 1982, you wouldn't know what happened then, okay? So the point is, is, is start, you know, get a list, check it twice, <laughs> find out which stocks are naughty and are nice, okay? Uh, but get it together, you know, get the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. Good stuff right now. Now, some of the world indexes, you know, are pretty weak, all right? And one of the things that I... Uh, I've seen is they're making lower, low, lower lows. That's not a good sign yet. Okay. So you don't jump in with both feet and don't even know if you want to jump in, but look, you, you, what we do uh, or what Dorsey Wright, our friends in Virginia do is they have dynamic asset level investing. So it's relative strength investing. We want to be in the strongest group or sometimes you value guys. You want to look at the weakest group. You know, right now that's communication services in healthcare. So, but they also have their cash bogey. And if you look at the Monday's action, uh, the cash bogey moved up to the fourth place. Now, it was almost last. All right. So, if you look at domestic equities, it's still failing against cash. So, it's in a column of O's on a relative strength basis to cash. So that's something you got to keep in the back of your mind. Now, last week we saw no significant developments in dynamic asset level investing. We had basic materials are number one, energy is number two now, 
Technology is number seven. So usually when you go from number one to, to number seven, it's going to take a while for these things to base a little bit, okay? You want to see higher low, you want to see a break of the downtrend line, stuff like that. So don't go jumping, you know, through the hoops. If you look, the S&P 500 has held up much better than the NASDAQ, much better. I mean, when your average stock is down 44% in six months, that's a shellacking, folks, okay? Now, that means there's a lot of stocks down 80, some down less, but it's still a shellacking. you got to be careful. So, I mean, you can overweight basic materials. You can overweight energy. I think uh, consumer non-cyclical, i.e., that's staples. Uh, I would, you know, that seems to be improving. Technology is weakening. Uh, consumer cyclical is weakening. Consumer services are still weakening, and they're dead last. So it's, it's a tough market, and it's not, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. So, look, I I, I was looking at international markets, and, and the Brazil had a second sell signal, and, you know, Latin America in general has shown weakness, and they, they were showing strength just uh, a couple months ago. And Mexico uh, hit a multi-year high and, and then has been in the column of O's. Chile and Mexico are probably worth monitoring over the next couple of months to see what happens. And, and fixed income, you know, the volatility in U.S. Treasury yields has continued. Uh, this is one of the most volatile years. I mean, if you're in a 10-year bond or above, you're down 14 15%. So you're down more than the stock market. If you're in high-yield bonds, you're, you're hurting. Okay, so remember, high-yield bonds tend to be a surrogate for stocks, so they go down. Now, one of the things we watch is the high-yield spreads uh, is – there's an indicator called the 10-year uh, – the bus 10-year spread, which measures the spread between high-yield bonds and U.S. Treasuries. And it broke a double top, which means that you don't want to be in high-yield bonds still, is what I'm trying to tell you in so many words. Now, commodities uh, have been – they've had negative weekly momentum for some time. You know, crude oil, it's been seven weeks. Remember I said the, the peak in crude oil would be uh, the day of the invasion. It was. So that's not a bad call. It's just me reading history, by the way. It's not like I'm a guru. But, uh, you know, the commodity index – pretty much peaked. Now, it went sideways for a couple of days, but then it peaked. Now, I think it's going to be that way probably through mid-June to late June. So uh, I'm, just, I'm just looking at support levels, okay? Uh, but gold, same thing, copper, uh, corn, everything. So, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, don't get me wrong. I think commodities are a place to be going forward because they've been in a bear market for a long, long time. So, you know, you got to remember that part, too. Um, We'll just keep that uh, in mind going forward, okay? Now, uh, look, I think if we look at things on a long view, okay, and that's what's important. You know, we have these four-year cycles, and lately they've been volatile. <laughs> but I still think we're in this secular bull market, all right? We got a little bit above – we got way above the uptrend line on the down. So when you when you have an uptrend, you – draw a straight line on the higher lows and the higher highs. Well, the NASDAQ went above the higher high. That's called a parabolic move. Uh, usually they don't end well. Now, it wasn't half as parabolic as it was in 2000. I mean, it was like 2000, we were like 19% above the trend line. So we not only went down the 19%, but we went below the uptrend line, down another 9%, or 37% decrease, okay? 
Uh, the S&P 500 went right up to the top trend, and we've been talking about this now for four months. Now we're halfway down, all right? We did that in 2014, 2013, 2010 and 11, and then we went sideways for a while. Now, I don't know if it's gonna be the same case here. Uh, you know, the Fed was raising rates then and we stopped quantitative easing back then too, so just remember that. And I go back, look, with secular bull markets, we've had two of them in modern history, and they're, they take up between 16 and 18 years. We've averaged a 2,300 gain from the bottom. In order to get there, you're looking at the S&P 500 being, being somewhere between 13,500 and 14,000. That's a long way from here. We're at 4,000, folks. So there's still time to make a lot of money in the stock market going forward. Hey, let's take a break. Remember, if you have a question, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. tuned in to the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And now we talk about insiders. All right. So what we've done is we start with a strategy. We move down to a couple different sectors. And we talk about the bullish percent. All right. And we, you know, a couple other technical terms that uh, I hope you're listening to. Because what we want to do is we want to be in fundamentally sound companies where the tech technicals are, are matching it. So we want demand and supply to be on our side with the fundamentals. All right. We also like to do that in the bond market and every other thing. All right. So anyway, I'll just leave it at that. You know, this week, um, by the way, if you want to sit down and have a conversation about your portfolio. All right. Uh, I, I always suggest this uh, and how we can help at RBC. Just hit the contact me or email me. Go to WHK1420. Contact me. Email me. As you report know, when you go down local podcast down the Smart Investor Show. It can go direct to my webpage. There's all sorts of contact, email me, let, and just say, hey, I'd like to talk about my portfolio. I'd like to do a wealth plan. You know, we can get Rich Matthews on with us, talk about a wealth plan. Anyway, this week there was some serious insider buying. Some people that I respect. Not necessarily politically, because <laughs> I know this is Republican radio, and uh I'm a Republican, so I'm, a, I'm allowed to say that. But th there's some big hitters out there buying stuff. Now, the first one is Adam Portnoy. If you don't know who he is, I think you should learn who he is. His name, he, he, there's a group called Seven Hills Realty Trust. And he bought $8 billion worth. All right? That's, that was on May 11th. That was, uh, now, he's part of a group, all right? So, but that's a lot of money. <laughs> and then Value Act. Now, Fiserv, if you don't know who these guys are, they're in information technologies, and uh, they are a director. But uh, you want to be careful here simply because they, they bought $40.7 million worth of stock, which isn't chump change. But these guys can turn on a New York City dime sometimes, all right? They are a hedge fund. You know, they're an activist hedge fund, but you, you're just going to remember that. Now, the other one, and this was, you know, I own a lot of this stock, so I was happy to see this. Howard Schultz who's been selling Starbucks pretty much 10 to $20 million every quarter for the last four years. About $10 million worth of stock this week. And he's interim CEO, which I thought was pretty good. And then he, 
this GV2021 GPLLC, which is a hedge fund, they bought GitLab and they bought about $8.8 million worth. And by the way, they're a member of a 10% group. And then they bought Google. They bought $8.858 million worth of that. And they bought Google L, same amount. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, now, I don't know much about this uh, uh, GV2021 GP. All right. I, I, I tried to look into him this weekend and my computer went down. So I apologize. And then um, here's another name. Uh, HashiCorp, which is in the software area, looks like it made a kind of a double bottom back from March. This was a new issue a while back, and I noticed the director, Glenn Solomon, uh, bought uh, $8.6 million on 9th, and then on the 6th, he bought the same amount. And then, you know, I'm, I'm looking through my thing, and I, I forgot to mention that ValueAct bought Fiserv last week. Okay, I mentioned it last week, just so you know. They bought about $6 million there. And, and, uh, Donnelly Financial Solutions, uh, uh, Jeff uh, Jacobitz is a director, and he's a pretty smart guy. He bought $6.2 million worth. And here's the second major buy, and, and he keeps, you know, um, buying it down, which is good. But the chief executive officer of Uber bought $5.3 million worth of stock, and then two days later he bought he bought $8 million total. So, uh you know, he bought $9 million at $38, uh, and I still think that's a, an interesting one. And I see ICU Medical, which, uh, you know, is down from like two, 240 250 The uh, a director, George Lopez, bought $4.4 million. And then Aon, which is uh, an insurance broker, uh, was down from 3, 340 I think, is down around 280 And And we had uh, a director, Lester Knight, who's a very smart guy, buy $4 million worth of Stock. And then Value Act Holdings, again, uh, bought uh, Insight. Uh, Insight Enterprises uh, is more in the information technology area. And they bought three sets of 40,000 shares on the 10th, 11th, and 12th, the tune of about $12 million, which is in chunk change. So some serious buying on in uh, Insight. And then uh, Stagwell, which is uh, is a little advertising company, we, we had a director uh, – uh, by 3.3 million, and then we had. Uh, sorry, my computer doesn't want to work for me right now. Uh, franchise group, which is in personal services, uh, we had a, a the chief executive officer step up by 3.7 million. And by the way, what's interesting about this is he owns 8.8 .8 million shares, so you, you like seeing that. Uh, and then we had Kymar Therapeutics, which got killed. It was a, almost a $50 stock. And, and BFV Partners bought uh, about $2.9 million worth. They own, uh, they bought 150,000 shares. They own 1.9 million, so you like to see that. And then ViewRay, which is uh, uh, the, the chairperson, I'm sorry, uh, director, uh, bought $2.7 million. And then Lazar, which is uh, into software, we had the chairperson, president, and CEO buy $2.6 million worth. So, and then, you know, I, I was watching, I, I, I forgot to mention that on last Friday, that GV2021 GP group bought about $2.6 million worth of GitLab, Google, and Google L. So they're big buyers. One, one more thing and uh, is uh, that, remember last week uh, that Austin, the chairperson of Lazar, he, he bought another $2.5 million last week. 
And Brian Riley, who's the president of Riley Associates, uh, bought another uh, $2.4 million worth. He's been buying all along, so something must be going on there. We'll find out. Uh, a couple things. I, I saw that, uh, you know, there have been numerous sellers and then uh, Cloudfare. Uh, we had a director buy 941000 and also NGM Biofarm, which was uh, an $18 stock, it's now a $12 stock. We had three directors all buy uh, $900,000 worth of stock. So I'd like to see multiple. Now, uh, by the way, last week they bought that same group, but about $1.2 million or $300,000 each of the same, you know, same people buying the same stock. So uh, there we go. Anyway, and one more is our good the folks at Opco are buying again. Uh, our, our good friend, uh, Dr. Frost, bought a uh, million dollars worth and bought another 400000 And the vice chairman and president, the new guy, just bought another two hundred fifty thousand. Uh, he came over from a, a company they bought uh, in immune technology, which may be big for them. Who knows? Uh, we'll see. Anyway, um, so where do we go from here? <laughs> this is a this is a tough market, you know. And and I don't know if it's over yet. Okay, I think commodities, which have been leading the market, are taking a pause. So the question is, will technology rally? Look, nothing goes straight down. Okay. But I think if you're going to, you know, buy technology or whatever, you get, better get your trader's hat on. And I'd be careful using margin, you know. Uh, now, I, I prefer as, you know, look, I deal with a lot of retirees. I prefer buying dividend stocks for the most part. Occasionally, we, we go crazy with some technology stocks, uh, but not, not often. But there are groups out there that have had long bases. I mean, biotechnology's had seven-year base. All right, they haven't broken down. They just haven't gone up. Uh, the smaller ones have gone down, uh, but the big ones and the big ones have nice dividend yields too. All right, drug companies. You know, there's a one major drug company that just creeps up, creeps up, creeps up, creeps up, and I'm seeing another one starting to follow it. All right, so there's drug companies. A lot of the medical tech companies look are looking interesting, and also some of the drug, drug distributors look really interesting and have great dividend yields. Okay. You know, while they're going sideways, they're divi- they've been raising their dividends. Also, I think, you know, basic materials have done nothing for almost 10 years. Oil has, you know, other than this last year, hasn't done anything for 10 years. Remember, oil was minus $40 a barrel at the bottom of 2020, in, in March of 2020. Minus 40, meaning that if you bought the futures contract, they were paying you $40 to keep the oil. What a turnaround we have. Huh? If you would have kept the oil right then, you would have made a fortune. So interesting times. I just think, you know, what we have to look at is the daily momentum on the S&P 500 is very oversold right now and looks as though it's going to turn up. We still have a problem with the with the monthly momentum, and that's what we got to worry about. The four-month has crossed over the 13-month. That's usually a sign that you've got to be a little bit more careful. So keep your head up, but don't get too bearish because we're getting down there in the bullish percent, all right? Don't get too bearish. In the meantime, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, our best ideas, I think those some of those are really uh, – there's some really good things in there, okay? Very, very good things. We've had a couple on our ADR list that have been absolute home runs uh, that I bought for a couple people, but I didn't buy them, and I wish I would have bought them for everybody, you know? Uh, but – I think now I'd concentrate on dividend growth and prime income list. 
they, you know, dividends do well in inflationary periods of time until it's all, we get the all clear from the Federal Reserve that inflation's gone. Dividends are going to be important. They've been important all along, all right? But m- remember, dividends are 45% of the return of the S&P 500 over the last 70 years. 45%. That's a lot. Um, the other thing is small caps are down a lot. There may be some really good buying opportunities in some of the small cap stocks. Uh, like I said, I'd stay away from technology until they base or they show signs of technically improving, you know, right at the moment. I don't think you have to be the first one in. You know, buying new lows, I've never seen anybody make a lot of money doing that. <laughs> Even Warren Buffett, I mean, look where he bought Chevron. It'd gone from 94 up to 165, and then he says he has a 5% position. You know, Occidental Petroleum, he waited for it to bounce $7 before he bought it, and then he, he bought more after it doubled. Okay, so use your head out there. Uh, if you like any of this material or would like to sit down and just have a conversation about a wealth plan or your portfolios, you know, go to WHK1420, go to local podcast, down to the Smart Investor Show. You can go directly to my webpage. Review the webpage. See what, see what Slimer's talking about. See what the, what's on the Insight page. There's a lot of good stuff there. Hit the contact me. Uh, we'll sit down and have a cup of coffee or whatever. Um, in the meantime, it's a beautiful day. Get out there and uh, enjoy your weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember to buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.